0: Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis, I'm Gil Gross, the first ever ATP Cup goes to Serbia, a dream scenario for tennis fans for the ATP Cup, it was a Serbia-Spain final, we got Rafa Nadal against Novak Djokovic before the Australian Open, absolute madness, who could have have expected that, Uh, but uh, we got it because of the ATP Cup, for the better, for the worse, I'm so excited to break down this match today. Uh, what I believe is the bread and butter of this YouTube channel. I'm so glad to be getting back to breaking down matches. Let's start off the year, right? If you like what you see or hear in this uh, in this upcoming show, uh, please share me on social media. Uh, tell your friends, tell your wives, tell your kids, tell everyone um, that um, this will be every Monday going over the biggest matches, the biggest news in tennis for the rest of the season. Djokovic, Nadal to start us off. Then I want to uh, rekindle whether or not the ATP Cup was a success. And then finally, I get to your comments. Some of the other matches that occurred in the ATP Cup, particularly Djokovic-Medvedev, uh, some of you asked about those. So you will get my thoughts on some um, some other matches when I get to the comment response in the end of this. But first, uh, Djokovic defeating Rafa Nadal 6-2, 7-6. In Sydney, Australia, Um, I will start by going over some of the tactics that I thought prevailed throughout the match and made the difference for both Djokovic and Nadal. Uh, Then I will um, discuss um, or go through the match summary. The number one takeaway for me was was Djokovic's aggression. Let's take a quick look at the thumbnail before we completely jump into it. Novak uh, with the most support he's ever had from a crowd in his career, which is what he said after the match. It was a wild, raucous, uh, sometimes difficult to control environment, and Djokovic has sometimes had that against him, especially in New York and at Wimbledon. This time it was for him, probably 75-25 in favor of Djokovic when it comes to the crowd. Tactically, I felt like the game plan here, and you know this is somewhat nothing new, but at the same time, I think that this was uh, a more of a concerted effort by Djokovic than than usual, who hasn't lost to Nadal on a hard court since the U.S. Open in 2013. Djokovic made a concerted effort to stay on the offense here. And there was a measurable refusal by Novak Djokovic to allow Nadal to dictate or get a feel for his offense and his, his especially his forehand off the ground, which when, when it gets going is the biggest weapon in tennis arguably. And Djokovic wanted to make sure that he did never let Nadal dictate with his forehand off the ground. And he did that by making sure to make Nadal defend on a regular basis and not letting Nadal get any rhythm. That to me was Djokovic's tactical plan. And if you listen to the Novak Djokovic 2020 season preview, the area that I was most critical of Djokovic in when it comes to his uh, 2019 his game in 2019 I felt like the offense, uh, the forehand rather, wasn't a big enough offensive weapon for Djokovic throughout most of 2019. I felt it was not doing enough damage. And here, I feel the opposite. I feel that Djokovic's forehand was a major weapon. I thought it was doing plenty of damage. Check out this point. Two all in the second set, love 15. Nadal, defensive slice backhand, puts it on the baseline. Plenty of time to recover to the middle. Djokov- uh, puts Djokovic behind the baseline. This is a really hard place to finish a point from, but d- but Djokovic, which with such a strong inside-out forehand, actually ends the point right here. Look at this. That's such a tough position to end a point from. So all in all, I felt like Djokovic's forehand was doing a ton of damage. From um, even from difficult areas at times. It was strong, it was powerful, it was aggressive. And on the other side, he made sure not to give Nadal any rhythm. He was so committed to making Nadal defend, so committed to not letting Nadal feel comfortable off the ground, at least to start, that Djokovic was even willing to make errors. Check this out. It's 40 love in the first set. Djokovic up to love. But Nadal about to hold serve 40-love. So Djokovic kind of understands that Nadal's probably going to win this game in all likelihood. But Nadal still hasn't really found his rhythm at this point in the match. Nadal hits a strong cross-court backhand, puts Djokovic on the run. This is clearly a place where Djokovic, if he really wants to win the point, is going to defend cross-court or at least pattern change and hit safe down the line. What he's definitely not going to do is try to strike a winner down the line on the run um, off of a strong ball by Nadal. But he does it anyway. And guess what? High-risk shot, he misses it wide. Loses the point, loses the game. But what Djokovic does is he refuses to let Nadal find his game, refuses to give Nadal rhythm by constantly forcing him to defend. He'd rather lose the point via error then lose the point via Nadal dictating where he would start to feel good about himself. So Nadal just never finds himself in the match. Um, In the first set, his serve in the first set, I mean, not never finds himself in the match. In the first set, it takes him a while to find himself in the match. He is not playing any first strike tennis off his serve. The Djokovic return is completely neutralizing that. Um, And, It's really Nadal having to move um, laterally all the time, having to defend all the time, and he looked a little bit slow to start. He is no longer a great defender on hard court, but he can beat 99% of the tour without having to play any defense. That's how good he is off the ground. If Nadal doesn't have to play any defense, he'll still make the Australian Open semifinals. He still might, less likely, but he still might make the final. I also want to say against Medvedev, Nadal did some excellent defending on a hard court. In this match, not so much. Could that have to do with um, being tired? Could that have to do with being jet-lagged? He had to uh, fly across two time zones. Uh, He had to play... On um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where Djokovic had to play Thursday, um, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So he got Friday off. Djokovic got Friday off. Nadal didn't. With that being said, Nadal's match against Medvedev was the most physical match of the tournament by far. It's also worth saying that throughout the week, throughout the 10 days... Djokovic's level has been noticeably higher than than Nadal's, to my eyes. Whoops, almost knocked down my mic. Um, so when it comes to the fatigue factor, that's what I think. Um, I, I feel that it's uh, definitely unfair to chalk the match, chalk it up to fatigue because, one... Djokovic's level was higher than Nadal's all week. And two, Djokovic played a absolutely brutal match the day before against Medvedev. So I was concerned for both physically heading into this match. Did Djokovic look fresher? Yes. Was Djokovic moving way better? Yes. Might that be the case if they were both fresh? I think so. On a hard court, when it comes to defense... Djokovic is above Nadal's level at this point, which gets into why Nadal needed to play a little bit different tactically. I want to highlight a couple things in the match stats. The first thing is um, winners to unforced errors. Djokovic had 38 winners, 23 unforced errors. Nadal had 17 winners, 14 unforced errors. That illustrates what I was explaining before, that Djokovic really wanted to have the match on his racket, wanted to either end points by taking it to Nadal, making him defend, or if he made unforced errors, he did in this match, 23 of them, so be it. That's a lot of errors for for Djokovic. If Djokovic wanted to make less unforced errors, he totally could have. For Nadal... He was act he actually played a pretty clean match. He had more winners than unforced errors, but he just was not taking it. He wasn't aggressive enough, in my opinion. When Nadal had success against Djokovic in um at the 2018 Wimbledon semifinal, Djokovic was on the defense. Because Nadal, anytime he had the chance was ripping the ball down the line. That is the key for Rafa Nadal in this matchup. It's the the down-the-line forehand, the the down-the-line backhand. He cannot play cross-court with Djokovic. Especially on the ad side, when he's hitting cross-court forehands to Nadal's backhand. Especially on this court surface, where Djokovic didn't hit a single backhand out of his strike zone above his shoulders. Every and, and this is important because when they played in Rome and Nadal won that match, he won the third set 6-1. When Nadal beat Djokovic in Rome, Djokovic was constantly having to reach above his shoulders to hit backhands. And what are you going to get? You're going to get more missed backhands, more short backhands, and less potent backhands. But even when Nadal was ripping his cross-court forehand, it was right in Djokovic's strike zone. And every time Djokovic gets a, a backhand in his strike zone, the backhand's been so solid all week, Djokovic is going to basically put it wherever he wants it on Nadal's baseline. The depth, the length that he's able to hit that shot with is completely unreal, unlike anything that anyone possesses on tour when it comes to depth. And Nadal just doesn't get anything to swing at. Nadal can, uh, Djokovic can go line with great precision. He can mix in the drop shot down the line, or he can rip heavy, add some pace, and go cross court. So he has that triple threat. Nadal needs to break that cross court pattern. To me, Nadal needs more unforced errors and more winners because. It, if, if Rafa executed that, that would mean he's taking higher risk down the line more often. He's got to take more risk. The second stat I want to highlight, match stat, is the second serve points won, which was a huge disparity. Djokovic won 60% of second serve points. Nadal won 32% of second serve points. The main thing this highlights is an advantage for Djokovic in neutral rallies, because that's what you get on second serve points. You get neutral rallies. It also highlights the aggressive um, second serve that Djokovic has implemented in 2020, the number one change I've seen for Novak's game, and Probably the most underrated thing about Djokovic's game is how big he hits his second serve, and he's been hitting 110 mile per hour second serves, which explains the the 60 percent number. That I don't I don't think it's that bad by Nadal when you consider how big Djokovic was serving. What is a bad stat for Nadal is 32 percent second serve points won. That has to be better. If, if Rafa uh, wants to improve his chances in this matchup. Now, by the way, in the second set, Nadal never got broken, and that's because he was excellent on the first serve. And we'll get into the tactical um, improvements that Nadal made in the second set in a moment. But first I want to look at Djokovic's second serve return strategy, which bothers Nadal immensely. If you see he's um, on top of the baseline, Djokovic's second serve return Uh, Return position on top of the baseline, but straddling the left sideline here as I'm showing Nadal serve on the uh, ad side. He's straddling the left sideline, which is not uncommon for a player to do when they stand further back, but it's a little bit uncommon for Djokovic to be this far forward and a foot really um, inside the left sideline, or outside, I should say, the left sideline. So what he's doing is giving Nadal the T-serve, giving Nadal uh, the second serve down the T on the ad side. Now, the problem is, if Nadal misses the T, it's right to Djokovic's forehand. And when Djokovic got the chance to hit second serve returns right in his wheelhouse on the forehand, he would absolutely smoke the ball. And that's sending a message to Nadal. That's saying, don't hit that T-serve because the margins are too thin. One thing I think Nadal could work on, um, something that team did really well against Djokovic when he beat him in the semifinal at the French last last year, is mix up his second serves. He, even if it means hitting some double faults, you cannot have that 32% number. You need to recognize that, up the aggression, hit some double faults. Hit some double faults if if it means doing that. But you have to be more aggressive. You have to go up the tee. So what Djokovic did was he dared Nadal to hit that tee serve. And for the most part, Nadal wouldn't hit it because the risk is higher. And Nadal was risk adverse. So he hits this out wide second serve to Djokovic's backhand, which is not really a serve. I mean, Djokovic wasn't really punishing Nadal off this serve, but he was going deep up the middle. Nadal had no first-strike tennis off his second serve, generally had to take a step back and hit a forehand off off his back foot. And it started a neutral rally, started a neutral rally where Djokovic had the edge. So um, really good returning by um, Djokovic on the second serve. It was really good against Medvedev too by Djokovic. In the second set, there are two big positives for Nadal to take out of the second set where he had triple break point early, and he also had chances in a tie break. Very easily could have won the second set. Um, So the first thing was he finally, I think, reached the appropriate level of aggression. That started at 15-45 all. That's when I think it clicked for him uh, tactically. The one thing he was doing also... Well, I'll get to that after this. At 15.45 all, Nadal starts to do what I'm talking about. It's double break point. The match um, is looking like it's about to slip away from Rafa. And he goes into beast mode here. Right now, he's on the run uh, behind the baseline. And... He's just going to rip a forehand down the line counterattack that uh, Djokovic actually gets back, but then Nadal hits one more forehand, comes to the net, and uh, puts away the volley. So this was a scenario where things weren't set up for Nadal. It it wasn't really a good opportunity to attack, but Nadal refused to go cross-court into Djokovic's backhand and start that deadly pattern that he doesn't get anywhere with. Instead, he's like, you know what? I have a forehand. Um, It's not the strongest ball. Even though I'm on the run, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to go down the line and it pays off. Then on the very next point, uh, Djokovic hits a good angle forehand off of a slice up the middle from Nadal. And again, Nadal's on the run, he feels himself kind of losing ground in the rally and decides, you know what, I'm gonna take back this point. And if I lose it, it's gonna be on my terms. He rips this backhand down the line. This one is an outright winner. And Nadal wins the point. So at five all, he kind of he kind of realizes his aggression again. The second thing that made that was really encouraging for Rafa in the second set was he actually started to affect Djokovic and bother Djokovic with his first serve. That's a big question mark here. As Nadal has, has um, revamped his first serve, as Nadal starts to hit his first serve bigger, has he reached the point where he can bother Djokovic with it? In the first set, uh, not so much. In the second set, he actually accomplished that. The first serve was bothering Djokovic, was bothering the elite returner. So that's super positive for Nadal. He mixed in more body serves. He served volleyed more. Remember what Djokovic's um, comfortable return is. Djokovic's most comfortable return is deep down the middle. If you serve volley, you force Djokovic to actually change up his return. You give him different looks. You make him second-guess the return that comes naturally to him, because deep up the middle, it doesn't work when his opponents serve volleys. Instead, you force him to hit short up the middle, or maybe go closer to the sidelines. Normally, he he just tries to get the ball low. But you force Djokovic to hit different returns, and that's going to make his return A little bit more difficult to feel for him. A little bit more difficult to find. You can't allow Djokovic to hit the same return every time. Or else he's just going to get too good a feel for it. So more serve and volley. More body serves. Really good location on the first serve. And what's the result? Nadal is holding serve at a really high rate. So that combined with the aggression. uh, Really positive for Nadal. That's what got it um, to a second set tie break. If you'll allow me to um, summarize the match um, and highlight some of the big moments. At Love All, Nadal gets broken on the first game, which I think might have brought back some memories to how the Australian Open final started a year ago. Um, But at Deuce, Djokovic makes a great stretch backhand return uh, Nadal is serve-volleying, and he misses the half-volley. It's just a great return by Novak. Add-in, Nadal misses the first serve, hits the second serve uh, return, and a hard down-the-line backhand by Djokovic leads to a missed down-the-line backhand slice by Nadal. Nadal's slice wasn't as sharp as I've seen it in this match. At 1-3, um, Nadal's able to save some break points. It's a good hold by Nadal. A couple of free points off his first serve and a couple of big forehands, uh, but also kind of a looser game, a looser game, um, a looser game by, by by Rafa also. In the second set, Djokovic runs away with that first set. In the second set, better serving from Nadal, again serving volley a lot, body serves. 2-3 on Djokovic's serve. This is a big one. Um, It's two unforced errors by Djokovic and a good backhand pass by Nadal. Love 40, triple break point for Rafa. At love 40, Mm -hmm. Nadal gets a look at a second serve by Djokovic and chips the forehand return. I've like never seen him do this. It was totally, to me, nerves getting in the way, uh, lack of belief getting in the way, and Djokovic dictates the rest of the point and wins it. At 1540, it's a clinical point by Djokovic. Forehand short angle, and then a backhand cross court into the open court for a winner. At 30-40, Djokovic hits a service winner. At deuce, Djokovic actually makes an unforced error on his backhand. He was going for the same play that he did at 15-40, but he tried to go behind Nadal with the backhand instead of hitting it into the open court, and Djokovic hit the net. Then at out, Novak hits an ace out wide, Nadal earns another breakpoint, another ace out wide. Big serving by Djokovic uh, saves this game. At deuce, Nadal makes a forehand error on a heavy cross-court pattern. Again, that backhand to forehand, and it's Nadal's forehand that uh, eventually or is the first to falter in that rally, and then a serve plus one by Djokovic. Djokovic played more first-strike tennis than Nadal in this match, I believe. And that can't happen if you're Nadal. Nadal needs to reverse that. At 5-all, Nadal is serving. And that's the uh, that's the pair of points that I just showed you where Nadal hit two great aggressive counterattacks down the line to save those break points. On deuce, he hit a service winner. He was coming in on that ball as well. On add-in, big serve, big forehand, overhead. Beautiful at 5-all, saving those two break points by Nadal. Now, finally, let's go through the tie break. At love all, Nadal gets a free point uh, on his serve. At love one, Nadal has a counter forehand down the line, lined up, and he hits the tape. Right idea. Good shot selection. Good aggression. At one all, Djokovic double faults. That's the mini break. Nadal up 2-1. Nadal then, serves and volleys, gets a waist-level volley. He should have put it away. He doesn't hit the angle sharp enough, and Djokovic passes him down the line. Then at two all, Nadal hits a short slice down the line, uh, draws a weak cross-court backhand from Djokovic, and Nadal hits his down the line forehand for um, to get Nadal to get Djokovic on the stretch down the line backhand winner. That's the play he used against Medvedev really well at the U.S. Open last year. Uh, gorgeous. That works on Djokovic, but Nadal just wasn't getting his slice short in the court. He wasn't getting it short enough to, to really execute that play, but he did so at two-all in the tie break. At two-three, Djokovic uh, hits a wide serve, and then a backhand down the line, and then a forehand winner. Good aggression, aggression off of a first serve by Djokovic. At three-all, Novak hits an ace. Now three-four, Nadal serving. Djokovic hits a great return right on the baseline, but misses a short backhand off the next ball. Now it's four-all. Neutral rally, cross-court on the ad side. That very important rally again. Djokovic is hitting stronger balls, pushing Rafa back, rushing his forehand, gets a short one, winner down the line on the backhand. How many times have we seen big, Winners down the line on the Djokovic backhand in big tie breaks. 5-4, now Djokovic up the mini-break. He never looks back. Neutral rally, Nadal misses a backhand slice down the line at 5-4. At, uh, now 6-4, Nadal neutralizes in the forehand corner. Actually gets a good look at a forehand, but misses the inside-out forehand. Not the cleanest tie break for Nadal, but also um, had, some, had, had plenty of chances. Didn't play an awful tie break. Djokovic really clutched there uh, with a, a huge point at uh, at 4-all or 5-all. Uh, it was 5-all. No, it was 4-all because then 5 yeah. Okay, that's all. A um, couple things real quick in terms of the ATP Cup. We I spoke about the um, unfairness last week for the ATP Cup. Now that the results are in, I just want to kind of go back on that and also say that I'm a little bit concerned for, for Djokovic and Nadal physically, and it'll be interesting to see how these guys handle Melbourne because this is undoubtedly the most physical preparation they've had for a slam in quite a long time. A couple of things um, in terms of unfairness, though, now that it's over. Uh, Nikola uh, Malayevich, uh Milojevic might be how you say it, earned $137,000 and didn't even play a single match because he's on Team Serbia. So if you're next to him in the rankings, just because he's on Team Serbia, just because you know, of Djokovic and Troitsky and some of those guys, he got more prize money than he's ever made in his life. Um, Georgia with Nicholas Basilevili had Alexandra... Uh Metrivelli, world number 678, won $50,000 and 15 ATP rankings points for winning one match against someone from Uruguay, because of Pablo Cuevas, who has no ranking, no ranking, and his total prize money is $1,800. So he won $50,000 U.S. dollars for beating an absolute, as far as pro tennis players are concerned, a scrub. These are the things that have happened here. Scheduling issues, physical, oversaturation maybe with Davis Cup, and just some weird format issues that that lead to some some crazy things. I mean, you have uh, Cole Schreiber playing a Challengers event this week because he had nowhere to play. You have an Australian in um, Jordan Thompson having to go to Qatar before the Australian Open instead of having his home tournament. So so some issues there. Just wanted to go back to it. Just wanted to highlight that. And um, overall, I mean, you had this contrast between this incredible success that brought us amazing matches and great atmospheres where in the same breath you had some issues here with the ATP Cup. Let us move on to comment response. The top comment on YouTube goes to um, Nixon, 28 likes. It's a long one. Hey Gil, thanks in the name of Serbia and Novak fans for the congratulations. You're welcome. Djokovic has beaten in-form Anderson, Shapovalov, Medvedev, and Nadal ATP Cup. So no, I don't think Nadal was so tired, jet lag, etc., as some people are saying. I mean, Novak also played four matches that tournament with much harder opponents, and he played doubles after. Nadal just didn't want to play um, after. He definitely could. Not an okay move, in my opinion. His presence on the court as a player would mean a lot, just as Novak's presence counts more, even if he is not that good at doubles. Uh, Nole was simply better in their matchup. Nadal hasn't beaten Nole outside clay since 2013. Maybe on some grass, but I am not sure. Um, I'm not sure either, but I don't think so. Also, this was the first time they played and the crowd was on Djokovic's side. Nadal just couldn't cope with that. So he had a malicious statement in his press that, quote, fans from some countries don't understand tennis. Um, and what should Djokovic say when he plays Federer and Nadal um, and against thousands in the stands? Not cool from Nadal. He was frustrated. He couldn't even play doubles um, after that. All in all more than substantial practice for Joker before Australian Open. Who is your pick for the title? How did this ATP Cup influence your opinion? Um, I think Medvedev can only challenge Djokovic at Australian Open this year. Um, okay, a couple things in here. One, Nadal not playing doubles. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I, he said that he's had some discomfort. So I don't think he felt good physically. And if he doesn't feel phys- good physically... I don't think he should play the doubles, uh, to be quite honest with you. Uh, You have good players on Team Spain, Carina Busta, Feliciano Lopez. I mean, they're good doubles players. And uh, I think that Nadal was not in good shape physically um, at this point, after all the physicality um, that he had to uh, go through. In terms of his comments about the crowd... You know, he was bothered by the by the noise in between first and second serve. He was specifically bothered by that, and uh, I don't think that any country is better than any other country when it comes to crowds. I think this was just um, a crowd that surpassed the intensity of of a normal crowd, and you know, you get noise. My position on this is the same. I'm consistent on this. I think players need to deal with crowd noise better. I think they need to complain less about crowd noise. That's just that's my that's my position. It's been you know, Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal have all been guilty um, of of getting bothered by crowd noise, and I just think all of them should be bothered less. That's just me. Um, I also want to give credit for Nadal, who often tells. The crowd, the Spanish crowd, he often gets frustrated with his own supporters. So he is consistent there. He not he likes quiet. He wants quiet. Djokovic is less picky about how quiet the crowd is. Um, at no point in the match did he tell his Serbian fans to, to settle down like I've seen Nadal do. But Djokovic doesn't care as much when the crowd is against him, um, where Nadal cares more. My pick for the Australian Open title, I'm not going to spoil that before the preview... But um, what? How did the ATP Cup influence my opinion? I am higher on Djokovic because he he's again. I think the two big things. One, he was moving great. Looked physically really really great. Um, and he should be better, right? He should be better physically in two weeks than he was in the, at this tournament because he likes to kind of up his cardio as he goes in preparation for the slam. Uh, But he's hitting his forehand really well, and he's hitting his second serve really big. It's new levels of aggression, and the surface is so good for him. It's so good for him that the ball doesn't bounce very high. Um, It it really helps him out against a guy like Nadal. And um, it helps out his forehand as well. So Djokovic just looked awesome. So did it influence my opinion? Yeah, it, it made me higher on Djokovic. Um, it, Pas had a bad week. I think the ATP Cup made me, um, think that Pas is less of a contender as I would have previously thought. Um, you know, Nadal, I don't know how influenced I was, but we'll get to a comment that, uh, kind of, um, addresses that. Um, Medvedev was, was impressive. Medvedev was good. The next two comments, one from uh, Sachin. Are you more or less encouraged about Rafa's chances of beating Novak in a potential Australian Open final? I thought Nadal's jet lag and fatigue from playing four matches in three days at night certainly affected how he came out in the first set, and he put up an epic fight in the second, all things considered. People are talking about how he got crushed, but he had converted just one of those five break points. The narrative changes entirely. Well, it's very positive that he made the improvements in the second set. But overall, I'm I'm less encouraged because I don't think that he replicated what he did in the 2018 Wimbledon semifinal where he was really able to make tactical – he was really able to – find the right tactics against Djokovic and the evidence for that was Djokovic was doing more running more moving than Nadal for me this match was totally in reverse of how it needs to be in order for Nadal to win Djokovic is the better defender Nadal is not gonna win points on defense against Djokovic not enough points so Nadal needs to be making Djokovic defend then he has a chance at winning I think it's discouraging for for Nadal that he was not able to dictate with his first strike tennis and his more aggressive play. So I'm I would be less encouraged about Nadal beating Djokovic than I was going into the match. We've seen this new aggressive style for for Nadal because he needs it, and just didn't come through. Djokovic is returning his aggressive play. It it really had Nadal um, on the back foot more often than not where Nadal needs to be on the front foot, because the tactics were were messed up. That's why I don't feel like it was positive for Nadal. Not the scoreline. And again, it was positive that the first serve bothered Djokovic's return. And it was positive that eventually he found those tactics. The aggressive tactics that he needs. But didn't come soon enough. Sap save. It's been seven years since Rafa has even won a set against Novak on hard courts. I personally think that the most important factor in this would be Rafa's mental state. His game seemed to to change while he played Novak and not for the better. He played way too defensive and simply couldn't attack the ball with his forehand last night. A lot of his balls seem to have way too much topspin and not enough power. I agree. I agree. And that's what I think I've been saying. Um, he, He needs to go for it. And for some reason, he is not getting himself in the mental state. He's not getting himself in the confident mental state where he can go for more than he feels comfortable going for. Um, Nadal is someone who normally builds up to being aggressive. And Djokovic just isn't letting him build up. He needs to be aggressive next time he takes the court against Djokovic off the first ball. He, you know, People need to get in his ear and say, Rafa... Uh, there's no building up here. If you make errors, you need to make errors. Just keep going for it until um, un- until it pays off. Uh, okay, now I'll start to answer these quicker because we're running out of time. Um, I'll pull them up on my phone. Thank you for everyone who commented. Good to see uh, more comments now that the season has started, now that we get uh, real matches. Um can Rublev challenge for the top 10 this year and maybe even go deep in some slams big title for Rublev in Qatar he looked outstanding and and the answer is a resounding yes I I really feel like Rublev's high margin aggression characterizes modern tennis characterizes the modern game and um if he can start if he can protect his second serve uh, which is the one thing that, which is a gaping hole in his game that he needs to hit his second serve bigger then I think Rublev can go deep in slams. Mark Marini, I know you're not as high on some on Medvedev, but I thought that his match with Djokovic was the best match of the week. Do you still feel like Medvedev won't sustain his level all year? I just can't see him dropping at all. This will be the last question, but really glad that we're that we're getting to this. Uh, thank you for asking this, Mark. Um, First of all, I agree it was the best match of the week. It was the most physical match I've seen in years. It reminded me of early, tw- early 2010's Big Four Tennis, where both players were so good that they were really getting to each other's lungs. I think there was an element to that also in the U.S. Open final. That's what Medvedev does. He, he gets players to a point where they are now um, in brutal rallies... With heavy lungs and heavy legs, and Medvedev loves that fight. He loves that grind. He's a six foot six grinder. Really impressive test passed by Djokovic here, and for for Medvedev, here's the thing: yes, his level was really really good. I think, without a doubt, I'll spoil this right now. He is the most dangerous next Jenner when it comes to the Australian Open. But I always thought that. This is a great surface for him, low-bouncing surface. That's great for Medvedev, and it's the beginning of the year. Remember why I'm concerned about Medvedev. Physicality over the course of the entire year. That's what I'm concerned about. That's not a concern for the Australian Open. So his ATP Cup, he played really well, and I'm not surprised. Australian Open, I'm really high on Medvedev going into the Australian Open. He is dangerous. I always thought that. Before the year, I thought that. What will be telling to me is if Medvedev is going to have a balanced and consistent year because I I just want to see how his game plays out over the course of a a season when he's doing a lot of winning and uh, playing his physical style. That's what I'm wondering about with Medvedev. It's not if he's going to play great right now. I know he's going to play great right now. Doubts about his forehand? Yes. And that's the thing. I mean, against Djokovic... Was there a lot of offense coming from Medvedev? Eventually, more of it, but it took a little while. And ultimately, the difference in the match was Djokovic had more offense than Medvedev. Uh, But with that being said, that was a really brutal match physically for Djokovic. And it's going to take an unbelievable effort for anyone to beat Medvedev at the Australian Open. An unbelievable physical effort. So everyone should be hoping that they don't have Medvedev in their quarter or their half. That's it for me. Hope you enjoyed, everyone. Share this. Tell your friends. Tell everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.